Welcome to another Blue Jay Beat Wrap-Up Show, featuring WhiteAndBlueReview.com's Matt DeMoranis. Good evening, uh, this is Matt DeMoranis from White and Blue Review, sitting here with Johnny Atawa from the Omaha World Herald after a decent hiatus from the Blue Jay Beat. Um, Creighton obviously went on to a top 25 road tour, away from home, got a couple wins. Yeah, and I bailed on you on Tuesday night after the Baylor game. Yeah, but it was kind of late. So it was late. I mean, they tipped off at 9. I was sort of, like, dreading the walk back to my hotel. Really? And so that's why I just left. So I stayed in the city, so I was like, my hotel was literally, I could just, as soon as we opened the arena doors, my hotel was, I could see it. That's pretty nice. It was pretty convenient. Yeah, that's good. Um, there are a few Jays fans out and about that oh, night. Oh, man, that was a good crowd out Tuesday there. Night. Yeah. yeah. I thought... I estimated like five, but people every time I said five, people were like, "What? There's way more." So, you know. <laughs> they, they announced ten thousand in the arena. I don't know if that's was one hundred percent accurate, but mm-hmm. if it were, if it was ten, then uh, it seemed like Creighton had seventy percent of that. So, yeah. um, but they were they were rowdy and loud. They were more engaged than than the crowd on Saturday night. But hey, the UCLA that's, that's game was for sure when Mitch was going crazy. Yeah, yeah. The crowd was right, was definitely into that one. I could sense like the whole Missouri Valley St. Louis five coming back for that kind of thing, <laughs> deal. So, well, I think yeah, just naturally as fans, when you go on the road, you kind of feel like you have to be a little bit more boisterous, a little oh, really? more rowdy, more raucous. I think. Okay. Uh, and especially, I think fans are probably a little bit more charged up when they go to an opposing venue or just a, even a neutral site and see how many other fans. Hey, look, look how many people are wearing blue. This is gonna be fun home game. Yeah, because you know the Baylor contingent from Waco was like maybe 40 people. (laughs) But I could tell they were there because they knew they were outnumbered and they tried to to make up for it. Right, they tried to be loud, especially at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, But then, you know, come home on Saturday and play play a team that won six games last year, um, you know, you don't have the same environment. Even though there's more fans in the stands. Right, your numbers are bigger, but yeah. Not as Uh, much Yeah, so I actually was distracted for most of the first half as the volleyball team was in a five-set November thriller, which is kind of something they have a habit of That's their thing. getting into lately. Um, so, yeah, you can uh, you can kind of take over. I'll just leave and pretend I am here running the show. But yeah, I'll just... No, but I mean, I guess, you know, there's not really much to dissect from tonight. It's kind of like, what did Creighton, you know, what does Creighton take away from whipping up on SIU Edwardsville leading into a game with what was supposed to be a rebuilding year for a Gonzaga school that, you know, had some question marks, but after a couple of performances this weekend, looked like the real deal still. So that looks like it's going to be quite a challenge for the Jays on the road again. Um, but I guess what are some of your main takeaways from tonight that you see some kind of improvement from maybe this weekend or even before they started playing some schedule, I guess. Right. Well, I think that for me, I think the biggest takeaway was Martine, the way that he played. Props to you, by the way. You wrote about Martine and Ronnie in your right. preview, and they. It just what, what must st- have hyped them up. But they must have like seen the. They name saw it. They yeah. saw the name in the paper. Well, they were like, "Oh man, I better step up my game." Right. So yeah, you guys can send me emails and uh, congratulatory <laughs> emails. No, uh, very much lucky. But but it was. I thought it was notable that they. Both of those guys have barely played in their careers until, I guess Ronnie played a little bit his redshirt freshman year, mm-hmm. definitely more than he did his sophomore year. But so they spent a year, um, essentially just coming in the games and blowouts. 
Yeah. Um, although Ronnie did have those two games at the end of the year where he played in meaningful meaningful minutes but in those you're games, right. it was but but there wasn't the as, there wasn't the pressure yeah. of like they were question marks coming into the season, right? Yes, not that pressure of I'm going to be relied on to do this job defensively or this is my role offensively. Like if I don't do that, um, our team may not win this game. So they have sort of that pressure, and they're going against top notch competition. They're going against guys at Northwestern and UCLA and. And Baylor, and even though all of those programs have, are reloading, well, I guess Northwestern's bringing back a lot of pieces, but UCLA and Baylor in particular are reloading from Sweet 16 runs last year. It's still, those are programs that consistently have produced talented athletes, and um, they're consistently competing for NCAA tournament bids. So they have the talent level that uh, maybe those guys hadn't seen on a regular basis. So I thought it was notable that they. Um, held their own they weren't perfect but they held their own against those teams and they um, when I spoke to them they they admitted yeah we learned some valuable lessons against those against those guys so um, you know I think the way they performed against SIU Edwardsville isn't a surprise because they had an athletic advantage on the inside on those front court guys but um, it's just you want to keep seeing progress from them because Creighton's obviously going to need them and uh they knew they were going to need him going into the season, but for those guys to step up into increase roles and um, to have some success early on, I think is important. And one aspect in particular about Martin's game that I think is huge for Creighton is that ball screen yeah. rolling to the rim. I mean, they have to have that. They um, Justin Patton was so dynamic, um, so much of a difference maker last year when he was uh, putting pressure on the rim, just in the half court, setting ball screens and immediately diving. Um, they need somebody to do that. Martin's not going to play at maybe the height that Justin. I mean, he has. I don't know what his wingspan was. What was like seven three or something ridiculous, right. and and could uh, leap a couple feet above the rim. Martin has good athleticism. He's not just. He's just not as high as as Justin in terms of his ability to jump, but cover that much ground. But um, he can still put that same amount of pressure on teams if he's able to read it correctly. So I think he's advanced. In that part of his game, he showed some of it against SIU Edwardsville, which didn't necessarily have the uh, the athletes to keep up with him. And I think they were probably sticking to Creighton shooters a little bit more than maybe they needed to. But yeah. uh, they left the they left the paint open, and Martin took advantage of it. So you give him credit I for mean, that. The first play, I think they literally ignored the paint. Yeah, they're exactly. Right. <laughs> he like, could have taken a couple of dribbles if he wanted to. Like they looked like they had never seen a big man move that <laughs> yeah, way. Like, they were what? like, what? They rolled to the rim. Yeah. That, yeah. That even. <laughs> Uh, legal? They do that. Hello? Uh, yeah, it, right. It started from the very beginning. First plays, Kyrie, uh, ball screen, uh, dump down to Martin, who dunks it home. And that's sort of indicative of the way the game was going to go, but it's good to see him take advantage of that. you got to put him on film, gain some confidence, so that teams have something to think about when they're trying to defend Creighton. Um, and it's all you know, all the shooters it puts on the floor. I, uh, my two biggest takeaways from Martin and Ronnie, I, because I think we've seen some consistent performances out of them, I think Martin struggled a little bit in uh, the exhibition, but I think he's been pretty strong throughout the season so far. Uh, and then Ronnie obviously coming in for Toby Hegner, who's out with the ankle injury, um, is the energy level they play with. Hmm. You know, last year, it, you know, they had really good performances against in the, the Marquette Road game. I think both of them stepped up and provided a lot of energy at a time when Creighton was kind of hitting the wall out of the play. I mean, Marcus was kind of struggling. Justin was, you know, hitting the freshman wall and things like that. Um, so I think the energy I saw them play with was like, okay, that's obviously something that in their roles last year they could 
do that in short spurts. Yeah. How is that going to translate to an expanded role where they're playing 20, 25 plus minutes? And I don't think it's been that much of a drop off. I think they've been able to sustain high energy possessions consistently, which I guess speaks to the kind of shape they're in. They obviously look like they're in pretty good physical condition, but when you see how tenacious Ronnie is on the on the glass, despite being, you know, he's not the bulkiest guy down there, but he's just a fighter. You know, he's just right. he's going to get position. He's going to he's going to push you around, um, and he's going to scrap for that ball. Uh, Martin's a little bit of the same way, but he, Martin, you know, it's funny because they don't talk about they talk about the rebounding and the aspect they don't have a guy who can as Max has to jump to the top of the square and go get it, but Martin actually can get up there a little bit and get some of those some high fight some of those balls and you know bring them down. I think the energy they played with the effect they're having on the glass. I dare want to say that Creighton's almost a good rebounding team because of them, but I mean we're still going <laughs> right, to gonna see some challenges ahead. For it's them just interesting, but. you know. Like this is basketball. Obviously, you lose pieces uh, from a, a team, and you have to figure out how to replace them. Right. And especially in this day and age, where uh, the top players so readily leave college basketball and go to the pros, um, it's not uncommon to only bring back two starters from a, t- a season ago. But to think, I mean, if you were sitting where you were sitting. A year ago, and and I would, would have said, "Hey, Matt, you know, next year Ronnie is going to be the is going to have received the third most minutes on this team, and Martin's going to receive the fourth most minutes on this team." You'd probably be like, "Our first question would be, what position is Ronnie playing?" <laughs> right, right. We right. wouldn't even know that. Right, so, yeah. exactly. You'd just be like, oh, "Really? These guys who don't even play? I mean, a year ago, these guys weren't playing. They came in in blowouts, and that was it uh, for the it's, most part." It's kind of crazy how many questions have been answered for Creighton early on with players who weren't. On the, um, part on of the regular the, rotation yeah, last year. year, yeah. You know when you factor in Tyshawn and Mitch, when you factor in the minutes Davion's playing, when you factor in the way he's playing, when you factor in Ronnie and Martin, like we said. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're Manny Suarez off yeah, the bench. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting how the the we haven't. I, I'm waiting for the struggles to come because it's not all going to be good moments. Obviously, uh, you know, Mitch and Tyshawn are going to have moments where they'll be overwhelmed. I think. Right? right, you'd imagine that's going to happen at some point. And the same with Ronnie and 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 Martin, you would would assume. Well, part of it too is like all these guys, the opponents don't have as much film on. Yes, you know they yeah. haven't seen them as much. So Definitely at factor. some point, especially in Big East play, you're going to see teams adjust and try to take away everyone's strengths. And these players that um, are ascending into new roles are going to have to tweak their games and find uh, find a way to figure figure out how to keep scoring and keep producing. I feel like Marcus and Kyrie are too talented. They're going to find a way. Yes. We already sort of know that. And we kind of we kind but, of saw in the Baylor game that it won't it necessarily don't they don't have to be on to even score a lot. Like they'll do yeah. it by volume if they have to to keep their team in the game. Um, just on the Baylor game because Max is something interesting in the post game that I thought I can see the progression of that throughout the game throughout the season is that Creighton obviously has had. Great offensive performances. Sands won game so far this season. I think they've scored forty in every half, except for the two halves against Baylor. So they haven't had to have they haven't had to win without their offense yet. Um, but the Baylor game was a game they could have won. They were in it, obviously, down to the you know final couple couple possessions without having a great offensive performance. So what do you see out of Creighton's ability to clamp down defensively, get some stops, string them together? while the offense isn't clicking and win a game like that because in the second half against obviously the first half wasn't very wasn't very good tonight 
but they really clamped down in the second half defensively. Yeah. I don't know, obviously some adjustments, but it looked like they were really being aggressive on the ball screens. They were really trapping those, trying to create some turnovers. It just looked like a different mentality on the defensive end in the I, second half. Yeah. it's Can they do that? Can they replicate it in, for a four, full 40-minute mm-hmm. stretch? Um, particularly, I, I don't know, going into the Baylor game, I think they just sort of knew – I mean, I knew what kind of what approach Brady was going to take to that thing. I knew they were going to try to slow it down, and the zone was going to slow Creighton down, and they were going to have to really grind it out. I think they kind of had that mentality going in, so they knew that they had to do a lot of the little things to compete with that team. And they knew, too, that Baylor, just from a physical standpoint, was going to outman them a little bit. I mean, 6'9", six, 6'9", six, seven foot in the starting lineup and bringing, up, bringing like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six guards off the bench. Like They knew that they were going to have to be tough and they were going to have to do the little things to just stay into that game stay in that game and they hoped that they had hit shots i don't think they ever expected to shoot 35% from the floor in that game mm-hmm. uh but they did now to to your question about whether or not like is that part of Creighton's DNA? You know, yeah. can, can that be part of Creighton's DNA? Is it I don't possible know. Possible to do that enough where they right. might need, where they might need it and they'll have to rely on. I it. feel like if they would have won that game, I would have well, been it, a lot more confident yeah. about their ability to sort of switch up styles and find ways to win against good teams that are that even though they're not playing with the pace that they want to play with. Um, but Baylor sort of grinded out that win. And I think Baylor never got to the point where it felt uncomfortable. Even though it was down 10 or down 12 at one point, um, they knew that they had Creighton where they wanted them. They knew that they had uh, that Creighton wasn't comfortable. And so Baylor, I think, just was like, hey, we'll just stick to the plan. We'll just keep doing what we're doing. Eventually we'll find a way. And that's what happened. So I don't know. I'd like to see, I'd like to see that a couple more times. So I'd imagine the – Gonzaga game is going to be pretty up and down. Like the way mm-hmm. that the Zags usually play and push tempo, like I, I gotta imagine that thing is going to be in the eighties or nineties. Um, but eventually in Big East Session play, too, right? Maybe. Eventually in Big East play, maybe maybe a team like Arlington tries to slow it down against uh, against Creighton. Maybe Nebraska does too. You know, like, but especially in conference play, I'm sure there's going to be teams that really um, try to take the air out of Creighton sales a little bit and how do the Jays respond? Are they able to recognize in the moment, like, okay, look, we're not going to be able to do what we want to do offensively. We got to bear down on some of the other parts of the game. And uh, because it just, is it realistic? I don't think it's realistic to say that Creighton's going to be clamps down on defense and hitting on all cylinders on offense. Maybe you'll see that a couple times this year, but yeah. on a game-to-game basis, I don't know. Especially that just seems, league, like, it, it seems yeah, like that's That takes a lot of energy mm-hmm. and a lot of effort and just a lot of focus. Just, with the pace they like to yeah, play at when they're right. flying offensively, that's just... I don't, I don't think that that's going to be part no. of it. But maybe they can recognize in the moment, like I think they did against Baylor, like, oh man, this is going to be a game where we're going to have to really uh, sort of knuckle up, grit our teeth, and put our head down and work, mm-hmm. find a way. And uh, they almost did it. They didn't, but they almost did it. So right. maybe that does give them confidence that they can do it at some point against a good team later. But I want to see that first. I don't know if that's... Like, if I'm scripting it, I'm not saying, hey, right. let's go into this game and try to grind it out. No, well, no, no, the, I don't the think reason that that's interesting is because it's, it's, it's when you talk about the recency of their, of the, their last segment of games with the majority of this group not playing the same roles, obviously, but this group intact, you look at uh, the Providence game at MSG, which was a grinder, and they pulled that out. Yeah. You look at the Xavier game, which was – wasn't really a grinder, but it's the second day of the tournament, and you know you don't have your, all your legs there, and you know it was kind of a close game. Um, came out of the wire, they had to figure out, they had to grind through that to get the win. Um, 
Then you look at Villanova. Obviously, that's a game where Villanova played that game at their pace. Creighton had a bunch of turnover problems, and it got out of hand. And then the Rhode Island game was another grinder, you know, and they didn't perform well in that one. And then we have the Baylor one. Right. You know what I mean? Those are the examples of the grinder games. I guess you can consider Northwestern a grinder game, but it was really up and down, so it wasn't much of a grinder. It was just free free flowing. Yeah. Not, Everybody gets their shots that, up. Right. It yeah, didn't exactly. seem like have that same uh, characteristics. Um, but I mean, when you, look, so when you look at that sample of Providence, Xavier, Villanova, Rhode Island, Baylor, there's obviously mixed results in there. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's it's not consistent. And I think that that, that is a sign that it just doesn't fit what Creighton wants sure. to do. Like, they can find a way at times, but if we're going to be playing that on the, like that on a consistent basis, that's not who this team is, and they don't want to do that. So um, every now and then I think they can find the right pieces and the right ways to make it to make it happen. But I think it, you know, it's one of those things that if they're in the middle of a game and it's tied at 50 with, I don't know, six minutes ago, they can reference Baylor and just be like, yeah. look, remember when we battled against Baylor and we had a chance to win that at the end? Like, let's keep at it. Let's keep sort of committed and stay committed to what we're doing defensively and um, just try to be the tougher team. So it'll, what, it'll have benefits. Which is what Kyrie mentioned in the Baylor game. Yeah. That's basically it didn't come down to anything schematic. It just came down to an attitude. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, Baylor's bigs well, they just made. I mean, the, they the, made. The, that, they were the difference. I, at the I end. can't remember how to say his name, but the MVP of the tournament. He, you know, he has that fifty-fifty ball where he just uses his seven foot, eight thousand wingspan <laughs> to tip it yeah. out to a wide open three. Yeah. I mean, that was a big possession, but I mean, that's just like a matter of him having more inches, right there. Yeah. You know what I mean, um, Joe, uh, cool, ill, Luau, Luau, Akil, Luau, Akul. Okay. Joe Luau, Akul. Yeah. He's good. He was yep. a beast that whole tournament. He was good. Um, you don't see many players like that. And that's one of the things that I, my takeaway from Baylor was just that uh, Creighton, the zone will throw Creighton for a loop at times. Um, and it's partly because you just, you literally don't practice against it as much as you do man to man. No one does. Yeah. But the more you see it, the better you'll get. And I think right. Creighton at the end of last year was pretty good against the zone. I think it helped that they had a guy like Cole Huff um, to. Yeah sit in the short corner or catch it at the high post, and he was pretty effective um, in those spots. Teams, I really feel like teams didn't zone Creighton that much last mm-hmm. year, and I think they were afraid of the, their ability to shoot it. Um, but I do think this team can get better against its zone, and the good news is for this team is they're not going to see a zone like that. No. Baylor, it's literally... I mean, when you think about it, sorry to interrupt, but like two of the last three games UCLA played mixed up a lot of zone into their matchups because they knew they couldn't guard Creighton one-on-one, and SIU Edwardsville did tonight. And, and then it, Baylor did also. So you're talking about like obviously Baylor is some a team that has zone in its identity. It's in in the, in their DNA. Yeah. To be able to string together multiple possessions um, of slowing the pace down, getting stops, frustrating the opposing offenses with a zone defense. Other most teams that play it play it out of necessity to switch things up and give opposing offenses different looks. It's not necessarily to it's just a disruption thing, but it's not it's brief. It's not right. extended. And when you look at what Creighton did versus UCLA and SIU Edwardsville, as they pull more possessions piled up, they got more efficient with it. And I don't think you'd argue with the shot selection, even against Baylor, that they got out of the zone. Now the shots didn't go in. You know, what are the reasons for that? Baylor's length, second night in two days, all the sorts of factors that went into that. But I don't necessarily think when a zone defense gets popped in front of them in the half court after they've just giving up a bucket that it's necessarily panic time for that offense because there are still a lot of weapons on that team 
And if they break it down and they stay patient with it and they just make sure their spacing is where it needs to be, they can find high percentage shots, whether it's from the three or inside um, against that defense. Before we switch gears to Zags real quick, because obviously that's a big deal, um, Caleb Joseph came off the milk carton today. You know, we've been asked about him every single passing game in our answers, despite being the same, that, look, there are just four good point guards on this team. No one's in trouble. No one's hurt. <laughs> it's just a matter of there's 40 minutes in a basketball game, and it's hard to slice that up into four guys. Right. Um, but he got extended minutes today. I think, well, I guess he played 10, scored 12 points, um, three assists, no turnovers. So he got to, you know, shake off the rust a little bit and get some game action in there. He looked you? a little rusty, too, at times. Uh, yeah, Just making sure. passes around the perimeter of that zone. But he did nail that three, um, like, 30 seconds into when he came into the game, which is good because I feel like he turned down open looks earlier in the season when he was on the floor, open jump shots, in rhythm jump shots. He hit a couple of those tonight, so that was good. Um, it was funny. <laughs> I'm sure he was part of the plan. I, I'm, it seemed like going into this game he was going to be used at some point. I mean, mm-hmm. Creighton knew that it was going to handle this team. But I don't, I'm, I'm guessing he didn't expect to go in when he went in. Right. I, I think Coach Mack even admitted after the game that uh, Davion Mintz kind of messed up an assignment or a play call or something yeah. like that and got forgot, pulled. Forgot to play. That he forgot to play, yeah. yeah. And not ideal for a point guard. No, no, you don't want to be doing that. <laughs> and so Mac was upset, so he put Caleb in there right away and um, gave him some opportunities in the first half. There's yeah, no, there's but no the thing is, takeaway from that, yeah, though, right? Caleb like, played well. You got to show that your starting point guard that look, you're not going to be allowed to just right screw this thing up. And with no one behind you, there's capable people that can play. Your, that's a good that sign. Your, yep. like that just promotes competitiveness, promotes focus. But you also give confidence to the guys that are not going to be playing first option, second option, that if their number is called, they right. should have the confidence to be able to come in and perform. And as Coach McDermott said right now, it's Davion Mintz and Tyshawn Alexander ahead of Caleb Joseph, and it's really not the, to the fault of Caleb. Mm-mm. It's just those guys are playing better, and they mm-hmm. fit in with what Creighton's trying to do, but it's not nothing settled. So they're going to keep, keeping, they're going to keep allowing these guys to – uh, perform and keep testing them in practice. They're not going to say the depth chart is final today. Right. It's going to be fluid throughout the season, and we'll see if uh, if Caleb can make a jump or if one of these guys kind of drops off and has like hits a slump, hits the wall for a little bit. And if that's the case, and um, I think Coach McDermott has shown that he'll be willing to switch it up there. And it sounds like there's open dialogue continuing throughout that process, as in the guys who Davion and Tyshawn are obviously one and two right now, but. He's having conversations with Caleb, not just forgetting him on the bench or not just having him come out to practice and not acknowledging that yeah. he's showing effort. So I think to have to have that constant conversation with the guys to make sure they know that it's constantly open and performance-based playing time, probably. Yeah, I mean, Coach McDermott's pretty good at that. I remember uh, at one point, I think it was the exhibition season, didn't Davion Mintz, did he start the U, U, UNO game and then didn't start the, the Pembroke game? Right. Is that how it was? Right. So I think it was leading into the Pembroke game because uh, Caleb Joseph was getting more of the reps with the top unit, and uh, Mintz was kind of working scout team and then kind of get filling in the gaps. I remember Mac at one point in practice just going up to Davion Mintz, maybe it was before practice and stretching and just being like, "Be ready, stay ready." Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, I think, and and you know Davion like shook his head, "Yeah, I'm, I'm ready." I'm ready, coach. Whenever. So I, I I don't know. I think there's just he's got a good rapport with all his players, and and he sort of has this awareness of. Okay, I know when this is gonna sting. Like, everyone wants to play, but if they're 
if they if there's a mini demotion or just a temporary demotion like that is gonna that's gonna be a hit to the ego so it's got to be addressed and it's got to you got to make sure that you're on the same page and that they I think one of his biggest thing is trust and communication mm-hmm. like he, he he believes in those two things and he wants um, the guys to make sure that they uh, um, that they're not being neglected and he's to come at it honestly because you know just in conversations with guys that talk about him when he's not around it doesn't seem like there's that I mean there's good natured ribbing I'm not gonna say that they're they're like you know that he's that it's very strict and polite and all that stuff there's there's they have fun with each other but I don't think anybody on that team has a false sense of what their role is or felt like right. when they even when guys that have transferred in and out, I don't feel like they at the end of the season when they've left they felt like they were like you know sold something that didn't yeah. come to fruition like it's just a matter of competition and playing time and things like that I don't get the sense that guys have lost trust in the coaching staff and things like that when they have those conversations they tend to believe them and then their playing time is based on just the obvious things that your performance right um yeah so next big game you're going out there i will i'll be out there to the kennel have you been to the kennel before never been heard it's a pretty crazy atmosphere but it's a pretty good basketball team in that crazy atmosphere as well it would say a lot about creighton if they were able to if they've already kind of Rewritten some of the outside expectations for themselves mm-hmm. by the way they performed this year. I'd actually expect them, even though they lost to Baylor, I'd be surprised if they're not ranked in the top 25. There's been a lot of chaos this week. That's I would helped. as well, but I don't have to put peer pressure on you by saying that. So, I mean, I, you, I would you expect that to, I expect to be, to be in the top yeah. 25, but I didn't want to say that out front and make you think you have to rank them mm-hmm. because I said you should. Like, right. You know, that's what I wanted you to say it first. Gotcha. Yeah. So. so if they, um, if they're ranked, I'm not going to be surprised. Um, I think they're they belong actually, based on what they've done so far this year. I think that's where they belong. Now they got to keep it up, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going to Gonzaga and, and beating that team, like you kind of alluded to at the start, like they they it is it's technically rebuilding because they lost two NBA draft picks, but this program is been they kind of look the, good. Though. Yeah, they've been like the model of consistency over yes. the past two decades. Um, it's it's like Duke and then them. In terms of uh, making NCAA tournaments and being competitive on the national stage, obviously uh, the Zags haven't done as well in the NCAA tournament as they'd like. But um, they did make a, they finally made the Final Four and, yeah. and arguably uh, should have won. If arguably should have won some of the title game. His hand on the out of bounds, <laughs> right? Um, so it'll be a it'll be a fun atmosphere and and a good test for Creighton and another opportunity for Creighton to sort of um, re reassert itself nationally. I mean, just make another statement, make I another guess. Statement. You know, they've yeah. kind of already... I think the Northwestern and UCLA ones were... did that, and I don't think... I think the fact that, you know, San Antonio didn't reoccur against Baylor, the fact that they didn't get their doors blown off... I think a lot of people so. who watched that game probably felt that Creighton was the better team. I mean, they led um, for 32 minutes, so right. it's easy to kind of come to that conclusion. But yeah, and then it, when you look at the stat sheet and see that Creighton, which was a top-20 team in three-point shooting last year, and... Um, seems to have found an enough good shooters, quality shooters, to replicate that same uh, percentage this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you see that they shot 5 of 30, you're like, well, that... They're passing the eye test so far? Yeah, yeah. I think that's what it is. So, uh, I just lost my train of thought. But Kyrie Thomas is, I think, trailing Marcus Foster by seven points currently on the scoring list, so... 
That's your ongoing, uh, yeah, ongoing season-long season bet. With more points than Marcus. Right. Um, I talked to Kevin after the game, Kevin Jewell. He still said, you know, he, he's like, well, he's still trailing, so that's where he's right. going to stay type of deal. Not much I can take away from that, but... Um, yeah, that's I mean, your boy. Just, Kyrie's your boy, man. He stepped he up. Is, but I feel like, I, you know, he can do it all, so I, I'm in good <laughs> position. Like, I feel like it's unfair that I chose the best player on the team to ride with, but he wasn't the best player on the team when I chose him. Right. So it's like, now it just seems like I'm piling on, but, you know. Right. You And you are, but it's okay. I am, yeah. That's all right. It's okay. It's fair. You keep me humble <laughs> by telling me there's other people that are doing good things as well around the country. Um, yeah, that's the tough part. It's it's actually been kind of fun to hear people talk about talk so glowingly about some of these players mm-hmm. who've made improvements like Ronnie Harrell and Martin Crumple and then to see the way that the freshmen like Tyshawn Alexander and um and Mitch Ballack have just sort of blossomed into their roles. But um when you watch other college teams across the country, you see other impact freshmen making uh, making a name for themselves right from the start. You see guys that you're like it looks unfair. Right. Uh, but you see guys who you're like, who? He's a junior? Like, who yeah. is this guy coming out of nowhere and, make, and suddenly boss? I mean, everyone works hard, and there's a lot of talented people across the country. I think Creighton's got a really good team, um, and it's uh, it's got a nice collection, nice grouping of players. Uh, but, you know, it's still, you know, it's not going to win on town alone. Um, it's not going to be able to outscore everyone every time it steps on the floor. You got to do a lot of little things, and got to keep getting better and be, uh, I, I guess, aware of its faults. And it's, I guess, what did Max say earlier in the year? We have some warts. Yes. We know our warts, or, or we're right. aware of our warts. They have to be aware, and they have to be conscious of that. They can't get into that. Uh, can't get sort of sucked into that. Um, well, it seems like every game is almost a fight to cover them up, right? For the longest period of time, don't you right? Think? Yeah. And they got to keep, but they got to keep committed to that. They can't yes. get, they can't settle into this. If they, if they're able to come, come, come away with a big time win against Gonzaga, they can't think that oh, we fixed it all, or mm-hmm. this is, this is it, we're set. Um, Which we saw a little bit of in the first half. You know, SIU Edwardsville is a lot different than Northwestern, UCLA, Baylor. Yeah. And the first half looked like. They hit one run to get a 10-point lead and thought, okay. That's it. Here, here comes good. the easy stuff, yeah. and it didn't happen that way. Yeah, you clearly saw a different team to start the second half, mm-hmm. more engaged, more active defensively. Like SIU Edwardsville, the shot clock ran down under five, like three or four times on, on like a few of the maybe five, six, seven, first seven trips down the court or something like that. I mean, they didn't. They only scored on three of their first 12 trips down the court. Um in the second half, so that I think that's the sort of level of focus and intensity that Creighton needs, and obviously you have to show against the quality opponents on their schedule. So, so work to do, but uh, but it's been a good start for the Jays. I think they've definitely exceeded some of the expectations from guys yeah. like me and, and outside. So that was the last thing I wanted to end on was how, how has this gone so far according to your expectations? For, I mean, for me, I had I think I had. A loss at Northwestern and splitting in Kansas City, so I'm, I think they're up one in my preseason expectations. I obviously gave a loss this upcoming game against Gonzaga too, so yeah, they kind of they can they kind of have house money to even the thing that I, I was right there bit. with you though. Okay. I thought the same thing that they would lose to Northwestern, uh, mostly just be 
a lot of the early season predictions, you're not quite sure how teams are going to sort of sort themselves but when out. Back experience, you that's feel like those are the ones on. you can pay. Right. right so I, I leaned on Northwestern's experience actually, based on what I saw from Creighton early in the season offensively. I thought that they were better suited to win a shootout against UCLA because they hadn't found their groove yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether it was Wisconsin or Baylor, I was worried for Creighton just because I knew both yeah. of those teams were going to slow it down. Yeah. Um, but, but they have. But even with the way that they played against Baylor, I mean, we've, we've talked about sort of the, the little things that they did to keep themselves in the game despite not um, making shots. That is encouraging. Mm-hmm. They didn't win, so it's not something that where I'm, able, where I'm willing to sort of jump out on a limb and say, expect that every game from Creighton. They're going right. to rebound. They're going right. to be tough defensively um, and, and win sort of the – or win at least for portions, win the physicality battle down low. I don't know if we can count on that every game, but they did show it at times against Baylor, and uh, that's a good sign for the, for this team that they're able to sort of um, uh, morph when they need to. Uh, but because that, that is a sign of a good team, yes. When, when a Adaptability. Team, yep. When you're able to win in different ways, even though um, you are suited to play a certain style, but you can find a way to win other games, um, that's key. And Creighton was able to do that at the start of last season. Lost, lost the point guard and, and everything sort of had to reset itself and they never could mm-hmm. figure it out but um, that's a sign of a good team so maybe we'll see some of that in December because there are more tests to come absolutely starting with the first month first day of the month yep um, well John safe travels out there have thank fun you at the kennel um, try to take in the atmosphere as you're covering the game what time does it start out it's there it's a late game but yeah, so that's gonna be. I think it's a 9-15 central so 7-15 out there in on the west coast sure the fans Maybe are gonna be pretty submit, rowdy submit, the, submit your story to the local paper then you get, <laughs> yeah. get some run <laughs> uh, yeah online uh, online uh, coverage yeah sure yeah well I'll try to have fun out there in the yeah. atmosphere safe travels um, we'll hook up again when there's the next home game I guess check this out North Dakota? North Dakota. Fighting Marlon Stewart. Did you cover Marlon Stewart when he was here? I did not. Oh, so. He was a one and done at Creighton as well. Nice. Okay. One year in. Tra- <laughs> one year in transfer. One year in transfer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll December 5th, North Dakota. We'll talk again, I guess, if we're not following volleyball around the country or wherever they may be. Um, in the meantime, uh, Johnny Atawa from the Omaha World Herald. Follow his. Go read his work at Omaha.com. Uh, I'm Matt Dean Marinas from White and Blue Review. Talk to you uh, December 5th.